Hi there, and welcome to the Skylight Books author reading series. If you'd like to learn more about us and our many upcoming author events, please visit skylightbooks.com, where you can browse our inventory, buy books, and join our Friends with Benefits Club. You can also follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. To speak to a real live bookseller, please call 323-660-1175. Thanks for your support, and enjoy. I'm going to bring up Jill Soloway, her daughter and fellow writer, to kick off the evening. So, Jill Soloway. Hi, guys. This is a very exciting turnout to welcome my mom. Let's have another wave from you. Elaine Soloway, all the way from Chicago. Look, Los Angeles loves you. Yay. L.A. loves you, Mom. We're so glad you're here. She lives here now, guys. Yay. Yay. Every, every single person here should make a lunch plan with her. Um, I do want to say for the fans of Jane Lynch, who tweeted today that she would be here, I, I'm not saying there's a conspiracy, but the second she tweeted she would be here, someone on her television program changed the schedule so that she would be a little bit late um, or may not be here at all. I don't think anybody here cares, right? I mean, we love Jane Lynch, but there's no... We would love to see her. We're not here for Jane. Screw Jane Lynch. Screw... No. We love Jane Lynch. She's gonna... She's gonna... She may pop in at the last minute, like Superman. Okay. Um, We're gonna have four readers. I'm gonna read, and then Carol Rosenthal's gonna read. Give it a wave. New Soloway soulmate Macho Mel Shimkovitz is going to read. Wow, a very special person just walked in. It's going to make my heart sing. Larry Pressman. Guys, Ed's alive. Yay! Uh, This is special because this, as many of you who are transparent fans know, the book is about um, my mom and her experience with her husband Tommy, and some of it was... um, Immortalized, mortalized, in transparent, and so it's really cool to see you. Because he played the part of Ed, who was a bit of a tribute to Tommy. So it's really special. Okay, I'm going to read my chapter, um, and we will begin. Okay, I'm reading offended, right? Okay, offended. <clears throat> If a guy told you that his three grown sons have refused to speak to him for 20 years, or that the wife he divorced is as silent as their kids, wouldn't your first question be, was it another woman? No? Nobody would ask that question on a date when a guy told you his kids didn't speak to him and neither did his ex-wife? None of you would say, was it another woman? No? Yes, you would. Okay, no? Then obviously you are not as nosy as I am or are not the investigative reporter type. My query occurred during a J-date phone conversation. I realized that, realized that on these pages I claimed that I was dropping the... Oh, on these pages I claimed I was dropping the Jewish online dating site, but I decided to give it one more month. He, let's call him by a new screen name, Let's call him Offended 2013. He'd given me his phone number and recommended that I block my own cell number. That was a point in his favor, I thought. A gentleman. According to my iPhone, we talked for 58 minutes. During that time, I learned we had some things in common. We both live in the city. We were around the same age. He claimed 71. I fudged 70. 
We enjoyed plays, and we had Spain and Greece on our travel wish list. Our differences, he was not a TV addict, addict like I am, he liked being out frequently in the evenings, might have been possible for me to overcome. Before our conversation ended, we made plans to meet for coffee, but the following morning I received this message from Offended 2013. I'm going to have to tell you what the punctuation is because that's part of it. Lowercase I am canceling our meeting wed, period. Lowercase I really was hurt and offended by your quick remark about my divorce, spelled D-E-V-O-R-C-E, having to do with another woman. Lowercase I felt like you were out of line. That was not the case. Lowercase I just didn't appreciate it. That is far from the type of person, lowercase I am. I, uppercase I, apologize. I wrote in a message back to him, it's your call, good luck with your search. But he blocked any further correspondence from me, so my attempt to backpedal is floating somewhere in cyberspace. My daughter Faith, yes, I did have to share with her, she responded, I am offended he does not know how to spell divorce. (laughs) From Jill, the atrocious spelling is enough for you to block him forever. Perhaps it was wrong of me to jump to the conclusion I I conjured, but I speak from experience. My first husband of 30 years left me for another woman. That woman was herself. We didn't know it at the time. At the time, yes, at the time, her husband did leave her for another woman. Um, And then later left that woman for another woman who was herself. (laughs) Our cliched drama, this was written, yes, this is about a time in the past. Our our cliched drama began when I noticed that he was looking exceptionally fit and well-dressed. I think he's having an affair, I said to my best friend Judy. Judy said, and this is something actually you told me, and I want to give this advice to all women or all people who are suspecting their partner of having an affair, don't ask. Just say, I know you're having an affair. Yes. That's what Judy said. I'll never forget that prophetic conversation which took place in 1990 during one of our regular Sunday lunches at the Bonton. Any Chicagoans here? Bonton? Couple? Bonton. Restaurant on Chicago's Gold Coast. As Judy and I munched our poached chicken sandwiches, we kept our voices low because adjacent diners seemed to be leaning our way. A few days after my friend's counsel, I put the phrase to use. I had been asleep in our king-size bed when the phone rang. Because my husband's profession often brought emergency requests, I knew the call would be for him. The phone's ringing, I said, as I rolled over to rouse him, but there was an empty space where he usually slept. That happened to me the other night with you, Bruce. We were downstairs. I was, I was like, hey, hey honey. Oh. Doing some work, checking the email. Um... I went downstairs, dumped myself on the couch, and waited. What are you doing up, he asked as he entered through the back door. He appeared to be playing a soap opera part. If he hadn't spotted me, he surely would have been toting his oxfords and tiptoeing in on stocking feet. Then came my line. I know you're having an affair. How did you know? (laughs) Your new clothes, your slimmer body, your indifference to me and the kids. He sank, this is very prophetic now, he sank down next to me on the couch. We both cried. What can I say? I'm not the pottery-slinging type, and I held some responsibility for a marriage gone sour. Will you come with me to a marriage counselor, I asked. We had one session. The morning after, he descended the stairs with a gym bag in his hand. I'm checking into a hotel. I'll call you later. He was glum. I was, I must admit, relieved and grateful to the other woman for handing him the bad guy role and me, the sympathetic character. Fortunately, in the intervening 23-plus years, my ex and I have remained good friends. He is my emergency contact, and I am his companion for doctor visits. Well, you were when you lived in Chicago. You moved here. 
I've got to find a new companion for, for, for Papa, for Mapa. So with this history, I stand firm in defense of my question. Now I think that offended 2013 doth protest too much. If not another woman, then what? Dun, dun, dun. Thank you. Right. Shall I in- invite you up? Our next reader, this, the, the Soloways are known, they're particularly known for our lack of boundaries. Um, and uh, one of those is we have a particularly lesbian sense of boundaries, meaning that even when people break up, they're still in our lives forever. <laughs> Carol is family. She's my sister Faith's ex. And here she comes. Wow, that's quite an introduction. I'm not sure what to say. No, it's all very nice, and I'm very honored to be here, Elaine. Thank you. I'm going to read this in Yiddish. I hope that's okay with everybody. (laughs) Hey, my contingent's laughing. I'm reading Roommate. This is what you cannot do when you have a roommate, especially if that person is a male. You cannot leave the door open when you go to the bathroom. You cannot assume that the extra-large t-shirt you've inherited from your deceased husband will disguise the fact that underneath you are not wearing a bra. And if said male roommate is the same age as your grown daughters, you cannot call him on his cell phone to learn why his 30-minute trip to the grocery store has stretched beyond that time frame. This is what you can do. You can ask him to alleviate your melancholy by accompanying you to three events that otherwise would have had you attending solo, and since you no longer own a car, can request he act as chauffeur in his. Importantly, you can advise him that the furnace filters need changing, show him how to pull down the ladder that leads to the one in the attic, and wait gratefully as he does the rickety climb. So, on balance... It appears that the two weeks Chris is camping out in one of my guest bedrooms while awaiting a move into his new apartment is working out well. We made the unusual arrangement based on a barter deal. I provide his temporary housing. In exchange, Chris, a decorative painter, will jazz up two tables I plan to take to a River North rental. And in a subsequent transaction, he will build and trade me a sawhorse desk for an aged computer. What do you know about him, asked daughter Jill, when I was in the decision phase of the roommate deal. Would you like to say it? Mom, well, who is this guy? (laughs) And then she said, did you Google him? Her tone of voice was familiar. What the hell was her baddie mother getting into now? Karen vouched for him, I said. Karen is a longtime friend and interior designer who has aided several of my previous real estate moves. She's known him for years and has referred his work to many of her clients, I added. Very nice, quiet, dependable, she says. Daughter Faith was the one who, in a terse text, ordered me to wear a bra. (laughs) Like her sister, once convinced I'd be appropriately attired and he'd been properly investigated, she supported my new roommate. The offbeat pact was actually my idea. When Chris visited to give me an estimate on the paint job, he also mentioned he'd be moving to a new space. Somehow, the two-week housing void came up in the conversation, and the Jewish mother and me, who may have missed out by not having a third male child, asked, 
Where will you go? Oh, a friend will rent me a room, he said. I'll be fine. If it doesn't work out, I said, with my leap-before-you-look philosophy, you can move in here. (laughs) The invitation may seem especially odd because, as you remember, I rebuffed any notion of borders after my husband died. So I'm not sure what flipped the switch to make me welcome Chris. Was it my previously noted Jewish motherism and a longing for a male child? Or perhaps it was simply monetary, a chance to save writing a check for the refurbished furniture. This is what I have landed on. My husband Tommy, abiding now in his heavenly abode, has become anxious about his widowed spouse. After all, he's known me for 16 years, he's witnessed my ineptness with household tools and appliances, and is aware of my jittery reaction to creaks and thumps. Unable to care for me in his habitual manner, Tommy has sent in a substitute. My husband knows I would have rejected an older, paunchy type, as he himself was slender and fit most of his life. So he pitched a human I could accept. And Chris, with his black hair and partial Jewish genes, could pass for a relative. (laughs) Good job, I tell Tommy in my nightly report. My roommate is working out fine. Then I could swear I heard back, or was it the wind? Always looking out for you, sweetheart. Never forget that. Or the bra. (laughs) Thank you, Carol. I'm going to come back to my hosting duties and tell you guys a little bit about Macho Mel Shimkovitz. Every so often you meet somebody that you feel that you've known forever and ever and ever. Potentially back in the shtetl days was when we last knew Mel Shimkovitz. Turned out that mom actually went on a date with Mel's uncle Jack Shimkovitz. Okay. They, they were, Mel, Jack Shimkovitz was in love with you. It was a prom date. Was prom. They went to prom. Mel and I found each other in the world. One other Shimkovitz in the world that isn't in my immediate family, so that's... Jack Shimkovitz. And uh, it's, so we have, we've, we, we've, no, we've known Mel for eons and eons, and um, that's why she's reading. Ladies and gentlemen, Macho Mel Shemkevich. I think the moral of that story is that I was almost your daughter. (laughs) Which would have been fine with my mother. Um, I, um... So, uh, the story that I get to read is Double Dating with My Mother. And I can do, like, a pretty good old guy Chicago accent. (laughs) And I can do a fairly good uh, Jewish mom accent. But this is, like, the emerging of the two, which I can't do, so I'm going to vacillate between both of them. Sorry, man. Yeah. I could chalk it up to the difficulty older Jewish men have when they try to navigate technology. Or I can just admit it. I'm a loser on (laughs) J-Date. My evidence? Although I've favored 16 matches, zero have returned the compliment. (laughs) I thought you weren't interested in meeting men. It was my deceased mother elbowing her way past Tommy into my subconscious. Her arrival was hardly a surprise. After all, rather than my late husband being invested in me finding a date, it was more likely to be my mother, Min, a beauty who died at the age of 67. 
Mom, I said to the apparition pulling up a chair next to me, I don't want anyone moving in, but I think I'd enjoy dinner or a play with a nice guy my own age. Well, I can tell you what your problem is. Your profile isn't sexy enough. <laughs> the sexy isn't me. I'm just trying to be honest. Honest, <laughs> she said. I've seen you put your age at 70. Remember, I was there when you were born. And you're off by five years. Well, no one admits their real age at online dating, I said. I recall you telling me more than once that you never wanted to get old. In my mind's eye, I could see my mother hesitate before responding. She was using her right hand to sweep her hairdo upward and a mirror to be certain of her eyeshadow, mascara, and red lipstick that they were in place. Well, if I would known what good shape a woman could be in in her 70s, <laughs> I might have stuck around. I have to admit, you have kept... You have kept your weight down. <laughs> a compliment from my mother. I preened in my office chair and brushed aside childhood memories of her fixated on my chubbiness rather than my brain. I see two matches answered your emails. She went on. It's a shame you had to make the first move. Ah, there's the motherly dig. <laughs> That's not a problem for me, Mom, being aggressive. That's how I landed Tommy. I asked him out for our first date. There was silence on the other end of our celestial chat. Although she died before Tommy and I met and married, I knew Mom would have had mixed feelings about my second husband. It wasn't the fact that he wasn't Jewish. It was the fact that he wasn't rich. <laughs> Don't blame your mother for wanting an easier life for her daughter, she said, evidently overhearing my thoughts, but I did appreciate how much he loved you. I didn't want Tommy... I didn't want to bring Tommy into this scenario, so I quickly returned to my failure on J-Date. Did you notice, Mom, that no matter their age, all of my matches wanted someone between 50 and 65? So? She said, stretching out the vowel. So, like, so? You couldn't have dropped 10 years? Chicago would be like, you couldn't have dropped 10 years? You couldn't have dropped 10 years? I sighed, Mom, that's just not me. I've come a long way, and I'm proud of the woman I've become. I'm not that desperate to make myself over for some dude. Now, aside from men, so try it your way. Be honest. Don't say you're passionate, fun, adventurous in the bedroom. <laughs> I laughed. So you've been reading my competition. You're like 65 years old, that's what they're saying? Passionate fun adventures. Uh, of course, it can get boring up here. A change of pace to read fantasies about ideal matches. My girlfriends and I had a good laugh. <laughs> well, were you laughing when one of the guys answered my email with the news he had already fallen in love with the second woman he met on J Date? I answered. Uh, See, you didn't move fast enough. You have to jump in as soon as you find someone interesting. I don't know, Mom. Did you also read about how he's now spending all of his time with his new romance? So what's the problem? I gagged when I saw that. I don't want anyone spending all his time with me. It's suffocating. Like I said, dinner out, a movie, a play. That's all I'm thinking about. Not taking over my life. So have it your way, she said. I assume with your record of 0 and 16, you're bowing out. No more online dating. 
not completely, I said. It is kind of a fun game, and my ego is strong enough to take the rejections. So next month, I'm going to the other side. <gasps> Women. <laughs> she said, don't tell me you're going to become a lesbian. <laughs> no, Mom, Match.com, I'm going to check out the Gentiles. <laughs> Maybe they'll be more open to an adorable gray-haired woman in her mid-70s. Try 65. You might have a shot. So she'll make sure Jane Lynch isn't here. Jane Lynch is Jane Lynch here. So keep watch the door. She's going to walk in like Elijah. And not Jane Lynch. Somebody's coming in. Bus going by, not challenge. Okay. That means it's time for our guest of Honer. She's the woman who made me and my sister, but more importantly, just moved here. Look at her, moved here to LA and is available for all your mothering needs. Um, anybody who doesn't have a mother, who has a shitty mother, who needs another mother. The best mother, the mother who inspired us, who taught me how to write. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for her. Thank God for Transparent. It's because of her. It's all because of her. Everything's because of her. Elaine Sal. I am for Klemt. In Chicago, I had a huge crowd at Women and Children First for my departure. And I said to Jill... If we get 10 people, I'll be okay. 20 would be nice. This is amazing. Amazing. You know, I said, I had lived in Chicago for 76 years. I had moved from job to job. I had lived in 13 different places. So all the people in my life in Chicago came back. But I said, well, you know, L.A. doesn't know me yet. I understand. I have to build up a following. So if there's 20 people, I'll be happy. This is amazing. So what a wonderful welcome. As you all know, I I actually did, if you read my blog, The Rookie Widow, um, I did move to L.A. I've been here two and a half years. No, no, two and a half months. (laughs) I haven't even had wine. I'm just very excited. Um, I've been here two and a half weeks. I have found a permanent apartment. And I love L.A. I have a senior citizen bus pass. (laughs) Yesterday I took the 704 to uh, Hollywood, West Hollywood. I've gone to Studio City on two buses. So I actually, I didn't tell you this, I wrote to Metro, gave them a link to my blog. (laughs) Why would it hurt? Maybe there's a job there, you know. I'm looking for work. Anyway, um, I'm so thrilled. I'm so thrilled to see Lawrence Pressman here. If all of you have watched Transparent, and I'm sure you've all watched it, or you wouldn't be allowed in the door. Um, he portrayed Ed, who was loosely based on my husband Tommy. You have to know that. Shelley is not me. I was much more compassionate. If you read this book, there was never any intent Ed, to off you. Never intent to off you. So I'm going to read uh, a chapter that was actually written for when I lived in Chicago, but it's it holds true for here. So it's kind of a warning for all of you, and it is called "Recouching the Potato." 
Can you all hear me? Okay, good. Um, I'm on the couch. I'm on the couch watching an episode of Castle when I say it aloud, this is a fun show, Tommy. I wonder why I didn't watch it with you. Of course, there's no reply from my spouse, as he has been dead for over six months. But like many widows, I regularly engage in such one-sided conversations. I continue. I know you're getting a kick out of my being back on a couch. They tried to pull me off, but the routines you and I treasured are winning out. The they I'm referring to include my daughters and my friends who derided my married couch potato lifestyle. It's likely they blame my reluctance to venture out after hours on either my husband's preference and my adherence to his wishes, or later, during his illness, on my wanting to be on hand for his care. While some of this is true, I must now confess, Tommy wouldn't have cared if I'd left him to join friends for an evening out. On the few occasions I did this, I'd return, flop onto his couch, and jokingly say, don't make me go out again. You belong home with me and the pooker, he'd say. Buddy, our golden retriever, would be tucked in next to Tommy, so I'd have to squeeze myself in between man and dog to make my silly announcement. Of course, that scenario occurred before aphasia robbed my spouse of speech, and when Buddy who somehow became the pooker, hadn't succumbed to his 14-year-old canine ailments. My life obviously changed when Tommy died. With his presence not overriding decisions, I opted to try to fulfill the wishes of they. So I booked theater tickets and dinners out with friends. In long-distance calls and on Facebook status updates, I trumpeted, the potato is becoming uncouched. <laughs> At once, those applauding an exit from my nightly horizontal TV watching habit lauded me. And when I sold our house and moved to a downtown apartment, my support team concluded, now that you're in the city, you'll find it so much easier to go out in the evenings, restaurants, theaters, movie houses, all nearby. With my interest at heart, they likely envisioned me dowling up nightly, slipping on high-heeled shoes, enveloping myself in new not-black t-shirts and not-blue jeans clothing. Alas, a leopard doesn't change her spots, and you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Take your pick of these animal-themed cliches. <laughs> After a month in my new urban lifestyle, with a vibrant city and nightlight summoning from my floor to ceiling windows, here I am, plopped on my solo couch and even finding new TV shows to watch. I offer a few reasons. One, I love TV. <laughs> Tommy and I had a roster of shows, primarily police and medical procedurals with a few sitcoms thrown in that I taped so we could watch them together during our 7 to 8 p.m. viewing. I've since stretched that time to begin at 6 because I've added Netflix and Apple TV and Amazon Prime. <laughs> Just wrote that in a pencil. <laughs> and I'm catching up on missed programs. Number two, I'm an early-to-bed, an early-to-rise kind of gal. I've been this way for as long as I can remember. As proof, there are black-and-white photos of me slumbering atop folded arms on banquet tables at banquets and weddings and bar mitzvahs. So like those metal doors that seal run-down storefronts, my lids fold at 8 p.m. Number three. 
Because I am much more active during the day, I require evenings at home to recharge. I live adjacent to a health club, and I exercise most mornings. There's a Trader Joe's, a Whole Foods, a Mariano's, and a Target within walking distance. These frequent two-mile round trips, accompanied by age and arthritis, demand relief. Number four. I have lunch dates nearly every day. Friends are eager to see my new place, so we've been booking meals at nearby restaurants. One restaurant meal per day is fun, two is overkill. <laughs> so now, in my adorable or urban apartment, with a view of the Chicago River and skyscrapers, I'm on my couch, with a dinner tray atop my stretched out legs. While my loved ones might be disappointed in this turn of events, I know of someone who's delighted. Move over, I imagine him saying, so I do. And at the same time, I make room for the pooker. Thank you. Now, before um, you have an opportunity to buy books and signing, we do have some times for Q&A, you can, and we have all of our readers here, so if you have any questions, um, any cues, do we have any shills in the house who can start, oh yes, there's our shill, there's our shill, yes, what's your question? Is that your real question? <laughs> Actually, I do, because I'm a very compulsive person. Uh, I get up in the, the first thing I do when I get up in the morning is make a cup of coffee and I set a timer for 30 minutes and I write in a journal. So if anyone who is a writer or wants to be a writer who doesn't write in a journal, I think you're missing just a, a wonderful part of starting the day and of um, one minute Felix and, and, and getting the brain muscle. So I've been doing that for years and years and years and um, so every day I write about a half hour in my journal, and then I read the day before, and then I read a year before. Now that is fascinating stuff, because first of all you see all the stuff you worried about that didn't happen. <laughs> but you also see the synchronicity of kind of life, the same things you went through a year ago. And then also I was able to see what I went through with Tommy and his illness. And I have to say it was quite amazing you know what happens so I'm a real big believer in that and then when I other times that I write I write blogs for other people I write blogs for myself I always set a timer that's my process I'm I set a timer for 30 minutes and I write for 30 minutes and then when the timer rings I get up and um, do something else now when I'm writing a blog because I do have a process and I've talked about this and you asked the damn question so I'm going to answer it um, I write a, a first draft quickly and I, I edit that draft, but then by about draft number four, I print a hard copy, and I um, edit the hard copy, and then by about draft number six, it's ready to go. So that, that I do have a process for doing it. Great question. Yeah. Yes, wait, there's... Oh, Phyllis' question, yes. Thank you. Oh. My, my grandson, Felix, would you t stand up, sweetheart? This is one of the reasons I moved to Los Angeles. Oh. <laughs> right there. This is another one. There's another one hiding behind. And then another one, another one there, and then all these people. There's some other questions. Yes, back there. No, you. Yes, you. Mm -hmm. um, were you a writer before you were a mother, and when you became a mother of young children, how did that affect your writing career trajectory? No, I wasn't a, I, I, I wasn't a writer before I had kids. Um, 
No, not before I had children. After I had children, I, I did have many jobs. I was in the press, a, press office of Mayor Jane Byrne, who's re recently died. So I've been, a, I've been a PR person for a long time. But I started writing blogs. This is the question somebody has to ask. Um, I started writing this particular blog after Tommy got ill. And I, it was really therapy for myself as a way to kind of uh, explain what was going on every day and to tell everybody. And then I found that people were starting to read it and they were saying that the blogs were helpful to themselves, to them, and then they, then they wanted a book. And I said when I got to 70,000 pages, I would have a book. And I got to 70,000 pages and I started a Kickstarter campaign that was successful and that funded the book self-published so um, I really didn't I, I've always loved to write but I and I've never had any formal writing I just love to write that was it and my daughters are superbly talented right. yes I have a question for you and for Jill as people who write nonfiction that involves like a lot of personal details in your life and people who you know very intimately um, how do you negotiate kind of um, taking your loved one's feelings into account um, with what ultimately serves the work. Do you want to talk to that sure. one? Yeah. Uh-oh, I'm in uh -oh. trouble. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Do you have a couple hours? Yeah. yeah. I do. I have so many Do you want to answer? <laughs> you just want to stay? Oh, you're so good. Yeah. Now I can have one. I think, um, yeah, have some wine. <laughs> sound really horrible, but I always tell people that you have to write as if your parents are dead. <laughs> you kind of do. Everybody has a different experience. You know, four, four people lived in our house, household growing up. I had a different experience. Faith had a different experience. My parent had a different experience. My mom had a different experience. Oh, yeah. You want to answer a question after me? Well, the ones that I know. Okay, the ones that you know. But, um... <laughs> Obviously, the best thing you can, hopefully, the writing doesn't really offend anybody, but I think there are so many other ways which you're uh, going to be editing yourself as you're writing, and I think your job as you're writing is to get all those editors out, and so I think you have to kind of just go for what feels right and hope for the best and have conversations. We talked. I remember at one point, actually, with Transparent, you said you need to write your story and you need to tell your truth, and whatever your truth is, you have to you have to tell it. So, yeah, I'm lucky that I have a... We have a, we have a sort of legacy of uh, loving art and loving writing and art making, and so we all, I think, inspire each other to tell our truths. Do you want to talk about... Yeah, um, well, I'm going to talk about my experience. Oh, did you want to answer the question real quick? Yeah. Felix also has an answer. Sure I know. Okay, we'll ask a question that you... Question for Felix. Felix is, how does it feel to have your grandma in at Los Angeles? Good question. Good. Well, I, when I started writing, I'm going to talk about me. Not her this time. Um, when I started writing the blogs, one of the things I, the very first blog I wrote, I, I sent it to Jill and Faith. And I said, do you think this is okay that I do it? Because I was concerned about Tommy. He was still alive. I was writing about him. I was, you know, I, if you read the book, I think it, they're very loving, but there's also some of his failings. And the girls said, you know, it's, you should write it, Mom. It's it, it'll be helpful to people. And at one point, I, I asked Tommy to read it because I was really concerned about how he would feel. 
So I called him over to the computer, and I showed him the blog, and he started reading it. And to be honest, I have to say, at that point in his life, I don't know if he understood what I was doing, but he said, two thumbs up. And so that was my that was my okay to do it. And it's dedicated to him, and I think that um, I think he would be happy with it. And as I said, I didn't want his life to disappear. You know, many of you have deceased parents or loved ones. Um, you're afraid that that as the years go on, they kind of fade from your memory. This way, Tommy will never fade from my memory. And black and white, I have all the pages. Now, I would like to speak about transparent a little bit because when I first I have to say that no it's not an oh oh um, when the, epi- the the part about uh, Ed and Shelley was in it I have to admit it was a little difficult to watch because um, I was very compassionate in the in the pages of the book I sent I sent Larry a copy of the book I sent Judith a copy of the book I sent Jill just read it I said I don't care what you do just read it and I, again I said it's your truth and, and I also believe that more people, that Shelley's story is really more honest than mine. Not everybody was as compassionate as I was with Tommy. Shelley's story is really much more common. Um, but I was so pleased to have Lawrence Pressman, the famous Lawrence Pressman, incredible stage and screen actor, to be playing the part. And I thought, if you've seen Transparent, what an amazing job he did. And uh, I cried several times. And the part in it, it's the flashback scene when he puts his hand on her and says, well, why don't you say it, Ed? Do you want to say it? Oh, uh, it starts with... All I wanted to do... All I wanted to do is... Right. Well, I'm sitting in Chicago bawling when he says that because it was so... It was so perfect. Can yes? I, can I just say that at the, the New York party, yeah. this little woman came running up to me and it was so loud, I couldn't hear anything. And it was you. Right. That was me, right. I am a little. And you were mouthing, and I said, what did you say? You said, I've got you the job. (laughs) 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 So we we struggled a conversation. I didn't do any mail. And I've read the book, and I have to tell you, it's sensational. And I was a caregiver for a long, long time with my wife. And so the truth of it is just wonderful. Thank you. It's funny and it's moving and it's just great. Thank you. So, any other questions? If not, there's wine and cookies. Oh, yes. Another question. Yes. Hi. Late, and I'm sorry. That's not a problem. Good advice. Oh, good. I like that. Yeah. How did you decide that you wanted to do a blog? And how did you know how to do? Well, blog? the other part about me is that I'm a techie. Uh, along with spiral notebooks, I know how to. In fact, I teach people how to use their iPhones, and iPads. I work at the Apple Store. I work. <laughs> 
I worked at the Apple store. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> right. I love technology. I was using computers in, in the 80s when they first came out. And I always say, surprisingly for somebody who loves pens and, and spiral notebooks, I love computers. I think it's because it's so organized. It's just so organized. Um, and I love... I love the mystery of computers. I love when you have to solve a problem and how to, when you try to learn something on a computer. And I have a lot of patience, as shown by the book, but also with computers, you have to have a lot of patience because you're going to make mistakes and you're going to, but you have to be determined to figure it out. And I was determined to figure out how to do the blog. And I, I write um, another blog called Never Too Old to Talk Tech, where I talk about these things. And I did my own do-it-yourself website and uh, for those of you who are looking for someone to do social media, I do Facebook and thanks to my grandson Instagram and now Pinterest and uh, so I'm a big I'm a big Facebook person and I, I just you know love all that stuff but I do love technology so for me it's, it's fun and easy. I have well the first one was the rookie caregiver then after Tommy died it became the rookie widow. And then I write another one um, called Never Too Old to Talk Tech. And I write blogs for clients of mine. I have clients who, um, who I have a, a client who's a therapist, postpartum depression therapist. I find subject matters. I write her blog, and I help her post it. So I, I help other people write their blogs. So if you're looking for somebody, because I went to Ikea, and I identified a whole house full of stuff, and now I've got to pay for it. So, um, little any freelance jobs out there, I'm here. Okay, anything else? Well, please buy... Okay, let's wanted to say one more thing. Okay, please. Let me just move this microphone. Right, right, right. Maybe afterwards, right. you'll say something. So please stay 